Hello and welcome back to Back of the Grid. I said the word back twice then, that was weird. Hi, my <laughs> name's Chris, I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. James Pumphrey, sorry, James, you mean James Pumphrey, Chris. Right, right, we're still doing that. I mean, they're still using their music, so we can still keep using that joke. <laughs> um, I think we're going to spend most of this week just in the inbox, because there's lots of it, and it's the summer break and not much has happened. But we can start by talking about Formula E, because that was about the only racing that I think any of us watched last weekend. Yes. Um, the final two races of the season in Berlin. Um, the only racing I needed to watch for the next... <laughs> undisclosed period of time yeah absolutely hectic it, hectic's the word it was was it like 18 drivers i think going into the last two rounds could theoretically still win the title yeah um it's ridiculous in the end it was won by um Sadie's eq driver nick devries who becomes the first ever formula e world champion because as of last year the fia gave the series world champion uh status which well, hilariously for everybody other than Max Verstappen fans, it means Nick de Vries has beaten Verstappen to being the first ever Dutch world champion now. <sighs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Which I'm sure the top brass at Red Bull will be less than pleased about. And the fact yeah. that he was also driving a Mercedes to do it is just kind of salting yeah, the wounds you know, for them. You know what their response would be? They'd they, they, they just turn around and, get, and give it the old uh, Formula E cold shoulder and call oh, it. Oh, of course Well, it's would. not Formula One, so it doesn't count. That's what they, oh, their response they would. would be. But it um, certainly does count. Definitely does. counts. Yeah, it was... <laughs> In terms of the championship, it was a little bit of an anticlimax, given that he sort of won it by all of his main rivals dropping out of the race in about the first three or four laps. Um, Mitch if, you Evans, call, if you can call that an anticlimax, I mean, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like... I, I, was, I went into it expecting to like practically need a spreadsheet to keep track of like how yeah. the championship order was changing lap on lap. Yeah. And actually, it all happened... To quote Murray Walker, it happened immediately. Um, <laughs> Mitch Evans was pretty much best place to take the championship um starting from third on the grid with everybody else near the top of the championship way down on the grid um but he moved about three inches off the line which i've never i've never seen a formula e car fail to start like that no it was yeah it was very unusual wasn't it it not yeah. something i'd seen before i don't think in- i've not seen an explanation yet from jaguar why that happened no. i'm I, I heard drive shaft failure but i don't know whether i heard that I read it. I think I read it on like motorsport.com or something where they I just mean, fr- put a finger in the air and sort of make assumptions. So it's hard to actually know what exactly happened. Well, I mean, his drive shaft failed when Mortara crashed into the back of him because you could literally see the drive shaft bouncing across the track. Yeah, it was yeah. a huge old hit when Mortara hit the back of him. Uh, Mortara being one of the other championship contenders. Um, but yeah. yeah, none of that takes away uh, the achievement from De Vries. I mean, I said from the start of the season that I thought Mercedes were going to win this year, but got yeah. the wrong driver. I always said it was going to be Van Dorn, but um, yeah, De Vries has been great. Yeah, it's interesting, Formula E, the Formula E World Championship, the way it's shaken out. Um, obviously, we're all big fans of Sam Bird here, and that's <laughs> he's not had the best season. In fact, to finish where he, he ended, he finished up sixth, and he had, I think, nine... Nine pointless races. Yeah. To De Vries, I think I think De Vries only had about seven or eight pointless races. Most of the people above him only had like six, seven, eight. So he had more pointless races than just about anyone. And 
still yeah. still finished up sixth. If he'd not finished, um, if he'd not retired from the race on Saturday, he might have been in with a bit of a shout on Sunday. Yeah, because that car is the class of the field. I was, that, and this is why I was bringing it back to sort of um, Mitch Evans. I was really sad to see what happened to him happen because that car, I think, this season has been the best car because it's done more overtaking than any other car. I yeah, don't know whether it's... that's down to drivers or what, but like, and they've had poor qualifying sessions. So I wouldn't say it's got been like the fastest qualifying car over the season, but definitely it's been the best race car of the yeah, season. Definitely, yeah, definitely. For me, um, Jaguar unlucky in the uh, constructor championship as well. Um, they were a head going into the final race, but as you said, Bird finished. What was it? Sixth, I think he finished the end, sixth or seventh. So they only picked yeah. up oh. six points. So Mercedes EQ pipped them overtaking 15 cars yeah. on his way to that position yeah. as well. And the weird thing is he didn't seem to move much for about the first like 10 or 15 minutes of the race. He didn't really move all that much. And he was like, oh, this is going really badly for you. And then all of a sudden it's like you blinked and he was in the top 10 kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It was just, it was cool head while everyone else around you lost it. I think it was one of those races for him. Yeah, he, definitely. He, he was pretty flawless. He had one of those races where he didn't put a foot wrong and he managed to keep his car in in places that the nutters couldn't get to him it was, it was a classic so, sam bird really good drive from 22nd a, yeah garbage time position basically yeah um yeah i said motara taken out early on as well he i mean he did so well to finish second in the championship given that the venturi is far from the best car on the grid like for him to drag that into championship contention was very impressive yeah um, um, and then, sorry, I, I kind of interrupted us away from Nick DeVries. So yeah, Nick DeVries is amazing. It is, a, it is a huge achievement. I think it is a bit of a lottery this season because of the way the qualifying's been. panned out. I don't think that, I think qualifying needs to change in Formula E for it to be more legitimate next season. Even because... even by Formula E standards, it's been a very lottery kind of season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, DeVries had, what do you have, two wins, two second places, which is among the best if you look down like there's just not been a consistent driver throughout the whole season and as you say i think qualifying plays a huge part in that yeah definitely if you're listening to this wondering like how the season shook out just go for go to the formula e website and look at the standings for the end of the season and you can click on each driver and see all of their individual results on yeah. a table and it is absolutely mental the number of pointless finishes the guys in the top 10 have it's just it's bizarre, and and and, it, and it, the reason for it is because of the qualifying format. Because the first runners are the people in the top six of the championship each weekend, and so the track is just to- they're all super short tracks, and they're all green as anything because they don't have any yeah. running on them because they're all temporary. So you end up with just absolute huge punishment for leading the championship. It's just way way too much punishment yeah. for leading the leading the championship. So it does need to change. But having said that. It has kept the championship alive for the entire season. Like mm. no one's run off with it. It's not like years gone by when that like, Audi have had by far the best car and absolutely yeah. it, which is the whole reason why we have this qualifying format in Formula E. Yeah, totally. Um, um and they are talking about changing it, um, in a very Formula E way, whatever that means. Like I'm sure yeah. they're gonna come up with something a bit wacky like attack mode, which I guess we'll reserve judgment on that. I do I like attack mode though. I, I like attack mode. Cool. I think it works well. I think it's a really yeah. good replacement for having like a pit strategy element. Yeah, it's there's a there is a strategy element of when to take it and to deploy it is best used. Like, I mean, you kind of saw Van Dorn in the last race use it 
badly. Like you saw bad mm-hmm. strategy from them, and he ended up losing places to people who had attack mode behind him, and then could never really regain that because he just waited way too long to to take it himself. So you do see a lot of like it is almost it's kind of like having a pit strategy, I guess, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In a way where I mean, if on Formula One terms, we look at a pit stop thinking you're going to get some really solid laps for two or three laps on really fresh tires, but you've got the sacrifice of making a stop. It's it's a similar element, isn't it? Like you, you're sacrificing a few positions potentially in your lap to have, yeah. what is it? Is it 70 seconds of boosted engine it's, mode? It's, uh, it's usually four minutes, but on on a Saturday they changed it so it was eight minutes. And well, this is oh, what right. I was about to say. I didn't realize it was as long as that now. This is what I was about to say, actually. I kind of wish they would have messed with the format race on race a bit more than they did because most races it was two activations of like four minutes a pop. But yeah, there was the odd race, like the one on Saturday when they said you only use it once and it's eight minutes. And, like, and the teams only find this out about half an hour before the race as well, so they can't like model the best way of using it they kind of yeah. have to work it out on the fly so i'd like to see a bit more variation in that as well yeah there's a fine line i think between sort of unfairly shifting the golf post goal po- golf posts golf posts <laughs> and um <laughs> and and adding in enough sort of surprise for the guy like not no, it's not, maybe not surprise but it, enough possible factors for them to have to deal with if you know what i mean like because yeah, at the end yeah. of the day like if you if you tried to do this in Formula One and you had like a different set of rule sets, all the teams would want to know every possible outcome so they could model every possible yeah, exactly, rule yeah. set. Whereas with this, they do. I guess you do have to kind of spring it on them because the Formula, Formula E teams are obviously nothing like as advanced as as Formula One teams, but they're still good enough that they'd be able to model all these kind of different outcomes and I mean, simulate them and stuff. So You say that, but how many cars literally hit 0% battery as they cross the line? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that's, that, that's that is, management, though, isn't it? That's, yeah, it's still a calculation of, of yeah, yeah. When, when to push and when not to push and so on. It's a similar element. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm always, I know we've had situations in the past where we've had issues where they've run out a little too soon, like on the way to the line. But for the for the majority, if you took that as like a small subsection of scenarios, for the vast majority of the finishers, they're, they're all finishing with like 0.5% of battery power left. Or, or less than that. Nice. It's usually, the line. It's usually it's like 0.0 and then yeah. they'll lift and coast to recharge the battery yeah. for yeah. a bit. And then they'll really, really steadily work their way around to... If you watch an in-lap on Formula <laughs> you've seen yeah. we've all seen the how slow yeah. the in-laps are after races on Formula It's because they're just literally on the fumes trying not to use any power. <laughs> yeah. um, it's an interesting comparison though because... I think if you to do the cardinal sin and compare Formula E to Formula One, <laughs> if you did a similar thing with tires, if you, I mean, I'm not talking about the Amazon Web Services dreaded tire graphic. <laughs> I'm talking about the if if you could do that and it be real, tires are the limiting factor in Formula One, and the drivers yeah. are eking out the performance of mm-hmm. that tire down to zero percent as they cross the line to finish the race. So that's. The I guess the equivalent in Formula E is the working your battery down, working your usable energy down to zero percent, and also the fuel in Formula E. Obviously, like in Formula One, sorry, the fuel left in the tank in Formula One, as we saw in Hungary, <laughs> is uh, very limited by the time yeah. you finish the race because it's a calculation. So, yeah, like 
if they did introduce that into Formula One, it would be a really interesting... If they had a Joker lap in Formula One, which will never happen, hopefully. But not a Joker lap, but I mean a, a attack mode lap, where yeah. they gave them like more power to use. Would they burn... Would, would you end up with the same issues as what you have in Formula E, where you get teams being fined yeah. and, and t- teams ballsing up and, and ending up getting penalties like hours after the race have ended because they've used more energy than they're allowed? Mm. And is that is that even so different from the Sebastian Vettel situation? Well, quite possibly not. You know, Formula yeah. E gets all this stick for kind of like these these varied results and and things not being quite sort of decided as they cross the line. But actually, like if you look at the Formula One race last weekend, uh, sorry, in Hungary last time out, it was a very similar situation. I can think of multiple mm. races where like the 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 race has ended and the cars have crossed the line and you think it's one result and then moments later it's like actually no yeah you know so and so did something wrong and they they've done or the team have done something wrong with some random technical infringement and they're disqualified i think it kind of it's a hardest pill to swallow as a viewer of formula e because like in f1 if you've carried less fuel in your car that's an advantage because fuel weighs something whereas like if you've used more electricity out of your battery it yeah. still weighs exactly the same kind of thing. That's not how electricity works. And, you know, yeah. you have, you've still used more power to get there. So I'll get that bit. But, like, yeah. it's definitely a bit less of an advantage to have used, like, you know, yeah. 0.1 of a kilowatt more than you should or something. But then, again, no, I don't no, I don't agree. I think it is, it's just as much of an advantage because it's like, it's like the, it's like, you've, you know, there's the fuel flow limit in Formula 1. Yeah. It's the exact same as if you went over that. If you overfilled yeah. your car, despite having like obviously the the, the the Formula One cars are so efficient that if you used if you had higher fuel flow or you were getting more bang for your buck out of fuel than you should, which is kind of not the argument, but um, you should be you should be penalised for using more fuel at a, at a, at a time than yeah. than you're allowed to use. That's that. No, that's, it's true. That's, that's true. That's, and they work within a rule set, so the rules are the rules, and that's that. So well, that's but anyway, ultimate. we're getting we're gone kind of on a massive tangent, deep into the woods. Yeah, um, let's dig ourselves out of this hole. Also, it's mentioning that it was the final Formula E race for Audi and BMW, um, both of them pulling out the series. Uh, leaves a few drivers looking for seats next year, including uh, season three champion Lucas Degrassi. Um, apparently, he was talking to Nissan about being Buemi's teammate there next year, which sounds like an absolute recipe for disaster because those two do <laughs> not have the best of histories. Okay. Yeah, that's um, a bad idea. He's been talking to uh, Venturi as well, apparently, because they haven't named any drivers for next year, even though Mortara came second in the championship and Nato won the last race. So it'll be a shame for either of those drivers to lose their seat. But mm. I think they're also drivers. Formula E's still got the thing where a lot of the grid try to split their time between endurance and Formula E. And I think yeah. I think teams like the drivers doing that less and less as time goes on. So yeah. Definitely. Um, Jaguar have still got Mitch Evans and Sam Bird for next yep, season. So they've confirmed you, for next year. All you birdie boys out there, <laughs> to enjoy. Wow, Sam you're trying to make that thing, are you? <laughs> God, that's a bit harsh. Oh my God. <laughs> birdie boys. <laughs> Your birdie boosters. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's only like five or six drivers confirmed for next year so far. Um, yeah, there's really not many. Also, rumours this weekend that Mercedes are talking about pulling out of Formula E. Um, not immediately, but before the Gen 3 regulations come in, which is after next season. Um, yes. Even though they've just won both championships in their second season. Um, 
but there's also rumors that it's going to be like a running of the team will be handed over to a third party and they'll kind of run it as a customer team rather than Mercedes running it themselves. Um, Toto Wolf's name was even mentioned as a potential person who would run the team. Toto Racing. Toto Racing. Um, I think the the thing for mercedes the reason why they're doing this is because they 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 don't want to base they don't want to put the resource into developing a formula one car and a formula e car brand new of both at the same time yeah it yeah no it makes sense it's Um, a lot of work isn't it it would be a hell of a lot of work it doesn't really like gel though with the mercedes as a car company talking about the fact that they're like going to be fully committing to moving all of their brands to electric within the next few years. But yeah. I, I guess it comes down to like in order to keep Formula E competitive, the rules are fairly restrictive. And I guess there's not enough room for innovation within it for Mercedes to think it's worth them putting their time and money yeah. into. Were well, you seeing it like there's a obviously there's a few teams now spinning it off and going and doing other things kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering here if if they've gotten out, research-wise, if they've gotten out of it yeah. all that they can yeah. given given the regulations. Because now you see, you know, you see so many more um, electric cars on the market now than what you did what even two years ago. There's just an absolute flood in the market at the minute of, of all these different new models. And it's because all these teams like, you know, VW Group, um, who are running the Porsches, obviously, uh, Mercedes and Audi. Um, mm-hmm. They've all got their their flagship sort of electric car now. You know, there's the Audi yeah. e-tron. Um, you've got the, the there's the Mercedes sort of lineup that's all got the electrification coming in. And yeah, QCs and everything. Yeah, they've squeezed all the juice out of the orange in terms of Formula yeah. E. And if, if the regulations don't change such that they can develop their powertrains and make them better and better and better and better and more efficient, then that which I guess is the aim at the moment. But like, obviously, there's not enough wiggle room in there for them to see the value of staying there. And they, they, I guess the motivation is already there for them anyway to keep developing their electric cars into, you know, into what the best they can be anyway without having to run a race car. Yeah, because they're not going to be banned from selling petrol cars soon. So you know you don't need a championship and that incentive to make you make your electric cars better. It's going to be a worry for Formula E though. Like they've they've lost two of the big three German manufacturers this year, and it's looking a lot like the third one's going to go the year after. Um, And as things currently stand, there's no one coming in next couple of seasons to replace them like the mclaren entries in room for a while but that's kind of gone a bit cold recently well, i mean mm. they've just started an indie team so. yeah that seems to be where they've decided to put their they've gone the other way, currently yeah i think that's dare i say it i think that's the wrong decision by mclaren it's a weird one isn't it i think they should have gone for a formula mm. e team rather than a then i guess like they're, they're going obviously marketing wise they're going for the american market yeah um, I, I think you, you've got to look at like zach's history though in indy like that's zach brown's history comes from indycar like that's what he grew up with and with him being ceo now like it's i think there's a huge factor of that like he wants a, a proper mclaren indy team we've seen that yeah. for so long with him trying to get alonso in his seat and having the arrow cars and stuff like that yeah it, he's clearly been building towards this yeah. and i don't think they're completely dismissing formula e but i think his personal kind of goal yeah, out of I, that is to get that before a formula mm-hmm. e team yeah i think like 
I can see that and I agree with you. I absolutely 100% agree with you and all of that. I think it's a mistake still though because they he that's kind of him that emotion is kind of leading that decision making there instead of logic and the logic would be for me to have a egg in the electric electrification basket and another egg in the dinosaur juice basket and see you know just keep your options open because like NASCAR uh, uh, sorry um IndyCar is is not is, it's not Formula One, and I I don't really see what IndyCar are doing that's any more innovative or any better than Formula One. So, but but, but I don't watch much um, IndyCar. So I mean, you know, I hold my hands up. It's the captivation of the amount of American market that it has. Well, yeah. other than, yeah, I mean, for those guys, other than selling McLarens in America, then that should obviously that should be first and foremost the main reason mm-hmm. why they run a IndyCar team. Plus, yeah. um. The IndyCar, um, I know Honda and Chevy are due to start testing hybrid engines, I think, next year. And they're going to, the series is going to switch to hybrid power in 2023. So far behind the curve. But it's also something McLaren have got a lot of experience in. Like all the McLaren road cars these days are hybrids. So maybe they're looking at that as like, that's kind of their way into maybe being a third engine manufacturer, possibly. Yeah, you think they're going to do an Indy engine? And in, well, an indie power unit would be, won't it? Uh, possibly. At the very least, they've got a lot of experience as a company in running cars that have a hybrid powertrain. So yeah, yeah. at the very least, that's going to set them up for success. You know, maybe they're building up the kind of structure side of things this year and next, knowing that, you know, that can build towards 2023. I don't know. It's it's all very speculative. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like we're definitely if we go any further with that conversation we're going to trigger people people are going to well we're just going to be here all night yeah (laughs) I want my V8 I want my V12 back (laughs) yeah I mean to be fair I don't think we have from from what I've seen I don't think many of our listeners are in the V12s or nothing camp no Um, I don't think so either even if even if you love them and that's fine you also have to understand that that's just not how the world works anymore there was a time for them Mm -hmm. and they're an evolution of an engine that has led to the engines that we have now. And the engines we have now are categorically faster, better pieces yeah. of equipment than what yeah, those were. Exactly. That's like, you know, 50-odd-year-old technology at this point. Yeah. Like you, you don't need that in 2021 when we've got all these other options of ways of getting power out of... Get, making wheels turn around, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, literally the only F1 things of note this week uh, Aston Martin have dropped the appeal over the disqualification as expected so the hunger result is finally a final result now Tom you do not need to go into the database and edit people <laughs> uh, at, at, this, at this point Sodom <laughs> <laughs> even if they got a second place it's staying as it is <laughs> Um, and the Dutch Grand Prix is going ahead for sure now, but they're only going to have uh, two-thirds crowd capacity. Mm, I find that interesting considering they've sold more tickets than they're allowed to let in. I wouldn't like to be the person to tell a few mm. thousand of the Dutch army to uh, that they actually can't turn up. Yeah. 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 That's not good. That's going to leave some very unhappy ticket holders yes uh yeah, quite which, rightly as well understandably well, oh yeah, oh, yeah. You would be really be upset. i mean the, the, only, the only thing i think that they're going to be able to do with that is like refund them or give them some sort of offer to keep the ticket for the following season yeah. at, at the same to, price it has to be that it, it has, has to, to be, be one that. or the other doesn't it because like, i think yeah. 
I think Silverstone I wouldn't got. It. I wouldn't. It's so hard to get Silverstone tickets, like good ones. It's so yeah, yeah they're, they're and, really difficult to get hold of. I would not be happy if they offered me my money back. I'd be like, no, I want another ticket for next year because at I don't least, have to go, yeah. want to go have to go through the rigmarole of trying to get another ticket. Because yeah. I think I'm right in saying Silverstone sold all their tickets before it was a hundred percent sure they could have a full crowd, which I think they got a little bit lucky themselves this year. I didn't as well. even see tickets on sale for that race. I yeah. don't know I think how after, many actual people bought tickets and how I many think after a just... year of not being able to go, it was like blink and you miss it. Everyone was just like, Yes, tickets I must go. Yeah. There was yeah. a like a few week, a few months like as all the tickets and everything was open up opening up again. I remember booking like loads of tickets to loads of things which are just coming up now, mm. and just having a weekend of being like blind, like group WhatsApp group just popping off, mm. like everyone <laughs> going mental. Like need these tickets, need those tickets, need. These. Ended up with tickets to gigs that like actually I'm not even gonna gonna go to. <laughs> like I looked at the lineup and I'm like, oh no, I need to sell this because this is actually not my vibe except for the main event. Everyone taking lateral flow test left, right, and center. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver toner and their Crop Preserver deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Let's 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 inbox. Let's let's sort through the inbox for the rest of the show. Okay. Keep it safe now. Stay, stay up. Who wants to go first? I will do the first one. Um, we've got quite a lot actually, haven't we? To to kind of go through yeah. a lot of, well, a lot this of is recapping. The, so this this is the show. This is the show now. <laughs> yeah. You, the, the, before <laughs> well, was like the the preamble. This I is mean, the show. I'm interested to know how many people skip 20 minutes. It's going to be more than 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> no, skip to the many, end afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> no, how many people skip the first 20 minutes to get to this? To get bit? to this. Like, oh God, they're still I, talking I Formula E. Skip, skip, yeah. skip. There's yeah. definitely like there's definitely people who send questions in and just skip the whole show <laughs> until yeah. we get to their question. I know I, I, I'd do that. <laughs> there's, one, there's, there's 100% at least one person right now who's still pressing that skip forward 15 seconds button on Spotify because I'm still talking about skipping forward instead of reading this yeah. first question. I can the, just the imagine cruel thing furiously to do, pressing it. The cruel thing to do is time it to like seven seconds so that like say that they miss the first then, they miss the start of the first yeah question. yeah just ramble for seven seconds <laughs> then start oh. the question and then they'll miss the beginning of the question anyway come on we should well, that's mean. <laughs> we are mean we're mean people anyway michelle says uh with william seemingly continuing to improve throughout the season should bottas consider going there instead of a stagnant alfa romeo um and on a similar note, um, Udik Kishore says, given that Toto always seems to find a soft landing for Mercedes drivers no longer needed, uh, similar to the one, the place he found for Ocon at Renault, and he has a friendship with Fred Vasseur, is it more likely that Bottas could find himself at Alpha than Williams? And then another one from uh, Michelle, I don't know if it's the same Michelle, but it <laughs> says, do you think Alpha Romeo will keep 
both their drivers, one of them or neither of them for the next season. So uh, basically a lot of speculation around who will be at Alpha and will one of those people be Bottas? Well, Nick DeFries is one of the rumoured drivers for Williams and he's obviously um, not done his chances any harm this last weekend. Yeah. Mm. Few people have said that to me, actually. Yeah. Um, like Kvyat and Hulkenberg. Apparently, Albon's been people have been chatting to Williams as well recently. I've read. Um, that's a lineup and half that for Williams. Bottas Alexander and Albon. Albon. No, Devries and Albon. Devries and Albon. Yeah. That's yeah. a legit lineup. They'd do all right with those two, I reckon. Yeah, because I've always said I want one of those seats to be a more experienced one. But then again, the knowledge Albon would bring from, from Red Bull, his time yeah. at Red Bull would maybe go a long way towards that. That's a killer lineup, man. That would do Williams so much good getting a driver it like would. that in, who's been recently yeah. in like a really big team. Well, same with same with Bottas, to be fair. Bottas and Albon. I'd probably prefer Bottas for Williams to Albon and have De Vries there as well. But yeah. either of those two, for me, are legit options. I as for, like for Alpha every year I say I think Kimi's going to go and every year he stays I do mm. still think Kimi's going to go at the end of this year. Why um, don't you say you think Kimi's going to stay and then he'll eventually stay, go? Definitely going to stay. Kimi's not going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> That's the way it works, right? You know what's going to happen that we've talked about how who's going to be at Alpha and there'll be some announcement like tomorrow ahead of <laughs> the the weekend yeah, saying, probably. like next weekend saying yeah, this is going to be one of our drivers for next season. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, right? Kimmy's going to be the first driver to drive with um, a driver and their son and their grandson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the rate he's going, that is entirely possible. Yeah. It's literally like, if he's so old and weak, his head will come off with his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like taping him onto the airbox. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... Well, I bet you have an Atsy. Do we see him sticking around? I mean, while ever the seat's there, I think he will, but it's whether or not they would deem somebody else a better option. Like, would they want to take... If there was a, if there was a known capacity coming into the seat, like a, a an experienced F1 driver to some degree with a couple of seasons under the belt, they'd possibly swap him. If it was to swap him for somebody that was relatively unknown, I don't know if they'd go with that, unless it was someone like a, a Calamila or someone that Ferrari were wanting to yeah. put in there. That exactly, Eilert, that there was some sort of deal. So I think unless it's a, it's going to have to be somebody experienced or a Ferrari youth. I think to, yeah to be replacing him. Ferrari youth. What about yeah. Bottas and Eilert as an Alfa Romeo lineup? I mean, that'd be pretty solid. I could I be think. into that. That'd be good. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I, I can I, potentially I think... see all change at Alpha, though, for next year. Yeah. I just don't see what either of their yeah. current drivers are bringing to the party, really. I don't see point. what Alfa Romeo are bringing to the party. Well. To be honest. <laughs> there is that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we've kind of covered that, haven't we? It's There's yeah. so much scope for... Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, sorry. We don't have to rattle through these, do we? Because this is, <laughs> this is, the, this is the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Joe's name is also in the mix potentially at Williams, given that um, Alpine have nowhere to put their drivers. Yeah, I'm much more interested. Everywhere. I'm much more interested in who ends up at Williams than I am who ends up at Alfa Romeo. I don't know whether yeah, that's I think, like just. I think everyone is. Or what, no, I think everyone's just, in the same boat. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. 
So for me, my, my preference would be having just discussed all of that. I think I'm still in the DeVries and Bottas camp for Williams. DeVries and Bottas for solid. Williams. And... and then if I had to choose for Alfa Romeo, I think whole, I think whole new change. I like Schwartzman. Um, I, I don't know Schwar- if that's too risky. Too, maybe too Schwartzman. Them. I'd take Schwartzman or I'll, I'll take either Schwartzman or Islet, but I think you need... yeah. They do need an. They still need an experienced driver. Hulkenberg. Oh, <laughs> sure. Why not Albon? Albon. Yeah, I, I, I could have Albon. Albon in. I, I can't see it, but why not? I'd pre- I'd prefer it to Raikkonen. I'm just. I'm a bit disenchanted with Raikkonen. Like I find him a bit. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there, and Albon really bloody wants to be there. So why not? Do you know who I'd like yeah. to see at Alpha? Which definitely isn't going to happen. Mick Schumacher. Nah. I, I don't I don't honestly I don't see how it'd help him at the minute. Like he I don't think he's gonna be able to do much more with that than I just, he is with I mean, yeah, fair enough, he'd probably get opportunity for points every so often, but I think that until the new the new cars are in place and things settle down, he's probably just best staying put and getting, getting valuable learning. Formula. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's going to be to- that the house is going to be completely and utterly, yeah. you know, it might be sensible for him to stay at Haas because if they're not putting anything into this season's car and everything is going into twenty yeah, twenty-two, actually. then actually, you know, they might of all the sort of uh, the the backmarker teams, he's they're probably like most more likely of 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 that set of teams to make a bit of a leap because yeah. they've got that support from Ferrari and they've got sort of they've got all this development time whereas like Williams you've seen Williams have actually developed this car quite a bit this season um, yeah. Alfa Romeo have definitely been putting bits and bobs on as well so yeah uh, the, 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 who whoever's going to make the biggest step I, spe- I, I mean I suppose when you when you when your lap time is so low you are naturally going to make the biggest step <laughs> developing a whole new car anyway so whether that step's big enough to get leak from them ahead of other cars we'll wait and see but that's really fine to stay there. I think Alpha, depending on what they do with the new aero, uh, risking becoming the back marker team. If I'm honest, yeah, I, I agree. I, like, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to the logic anymore that Raikkonen will help them develop the new car because I think he's past the point of like real interest to be able to do that. I don't mm-hmm. think he's invested enough to be able to do that because he's not going to reap the benefits. I think at a time where he could still reap the benefits of it, like in his time at Ferrari and so on, he probably was really good for development and testing. But I don't think while he's he, he's a pretty much a hobbyist on the grid, he's going to be any use in that capacity. For well, Alpha. I mean, he's how many years has he been there now? Three? Is his third season at Alpha? Yeah. And I mean... Yeah, where's where's the evidence he, he, he of it? He replaced Leclerc, didn't he? he was a straight yeah. for Leclerc. Yeah, exactly. So, so at this point, surely there would be some evidence of his presence helping move that team forward. And I know one person can't change a car and change the team's fortunes, but I've just seen no evidence at all of him making a real difference there, either to the team or to Giovinazzi, actually, which is also a part of the reason he's supposed to be there, isn't it? It's like to like yeah. help yeah. the younger drivers develop. I mean, the the difference is, is like I know it's going back a little while now, but one of the more re- one, I think it was one of the first Formula Two chassis designs since it became Formula Two instead of GP Two. 
he was the person that track tested oh, yeah. the car and helped redevelop the aero there. So it's not like it's not a tool within his arsenal. It's more the fact that I don't think he's got the interest to, to do it anymore. Whereas that F2 thing was kind of relevant. It was something new. It was something different. And there was a bit of an eagerness to do it. Mm-hmm. And he provided them with info on like what was happening when he was following another car and, and like helping them resolve some issues there to make those cars easier to follow each other. And I, like I said, I just, I don't think that that's of interest to him at all anymore to do that kind of stuff. I forgot he did that. Yeah, I mean, it's a while. We're talking a while ago now. It must be like five years ago. I think. I think it was. Yeah, it was like the previous generation of F two, wasn't it? Before the current yeah. one. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't know that. It's new information. That's completely new information. <laughs> yeah. Now, shall we do the next one? Go ahead. Okay. Um, Reggie Blader asks, "Do you guys feel we hear too much team radio of drivers complaining? I get hearing some radio messages." but I have an issue with them airing drivers complaining every couple of laps. I feel that people judge drivers from it, even though the majority of drivers probably do the same thing. It seems that F1 broadcast searches for them, and I feel that it isn't fair to the drivers. We definitely, uh, I can tell you 100% that they do search for them. And, <laughs> well, there's, there's a feed. There's a feed where you get every radio message. So, I mean, everyone's everyone's got the radio channel on F1 TV. Um so you just have to listen to that if you want to hear all the radio. But I think, like, I probably think they do overuse the team radio. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I it's, it's different for me because it's part of my job to look after some of the team radio stuff. So I'm always going to think that there's too much of it because I'm always way too busy. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it is getting a bit old. I would say it's a when you when you watch sort of like formula e or other other racing series you don't hear half as much radio and i think they do like lean on it a little bit too much with and at the expense of like maybe being a bit more interesting about other aspects of the sport yeah i i think the only issue for me is like how nearly every single radio message they choose to play is some form of negative yeah no, yeah he's, he's very i mean most of them aren't informative most of them they are just somebody having a wine, um, which, I mean, as Paul's just rightly pointed out in Discord, it's really good for the bingo game that we play with the Patreon. <laughs> Where we've, got, we've literally got squares for Bono, My Tires, etc., and <laughs> so on and so forth. Or, like, Team Principal phones Michael Massey. Like, yeah. there's literal squares for that. But th- this is the thing, like, at some point, Formula One radio becomes a parody of itself, doesn't it? Where... Like that's all they're picking out. They're intentionally just picking out these silly bits. Well, it's, of... it's but the thing is, it gets clicks. Like people click it, and people watch it, and mm. people yeah, like mm. it. You know, the internet, I guess, does like it. Social media does I mean, like that stuff, so I, they're always going to use it. I'd say it's one thing though. Like on that note, is if you look at some of the stuff that gets views, some of the stuff that gets views is the people that go out of their way to pull more contextual radio and make their own videos with it. Like you, like you get videos with every driver's race start radio or every driver's radio during the red flag or every, yeah. and you get a lot of compilation videos like that and they get as many if not more views than some of the official ones just because it's some it, like it's inf- the stuff that's there is sometimes informative and gives you a bit more of a it's a are you talking about to a situation. Are you talking about like random YouTube creators? Are you talking about F one posting that? I'm talking random people pulling yeah, content yeah. and making okay. it themselves. And you have to watch it within the first few days before it gets copyright 
strike yeah. and he's pulled down. I mean, yeah, it usually, usually doesn't last very but long. But then I think part of that is just because it's different as well. Like if the official F1 channels put out content like that and then the random YouTubers did like uh, the kind of thing that F1 normally do, it'd be exactly the same. It's just like people want to ha- have as much content as they want, as they can ultimately. And Yeah, yeah people consume content. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I just, um, I just think that there's definitely... It's lent on very heavily, and there's definitely much, much more interesting sides to this sport that probably you don't even see outside of the sport. But then you've also got to think, you know, there's 22 cars of Team Radio for a full race. Well, most of them for full race length. Some of them not so much of a race length. But, you know, ultimately they've got to pick out the bits that are going to be of interest to the watching public. And ultimately they're putting on a show. And they do. Yeah. Yeah. I would like a bit more balance between complaints and other stuff, but you can see why they do things the way they do, well, I guess. It's not even that. It's 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 kind of, it's clicks for the sake of clicks rather than making like engaging, interesting content. Yeah. 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 But I'm not, think... you know, not going to sit and slag off like the people who are sort of making this stuff because no, you mean, cause I, it's cause not, I answer to them. <laughs> it, you mean, it's, but, it's not just an F1 thing that like, no, not all the whole, the whole thing that this whole generation of internet consumption of content is about like clickbaiting essentially. But like, mm. imagine if they started micing up football players and playing little clips of what they were saying to each other. Like it'd be exactly the same that way. You'd only hear the spicy stuff. You know, you know the best sport for this exact scenario, just because you mentioned that, I'm going to point it out. And many people may already know this to be able to agree with me, but the NFL is by far the best sport mm-hmm. for player mic content, like player radio content, because they pick random players in the team, mic them up, but then they give you the full feed of like basically everything that's gone on. So like you get like fun little bits of banter, bits of like pep talk between two, like you get everything. And like, that's, that's one of the best experiences I've ever seen of like, yeah, sort of, yeah, sort of team insight from micing someone up or a radio it's, feed or whatever. It's quite good in the rugby, like rugby world cup and just yeah, in, true, well, rugby union well. in general, they usually mm-hmm. have like the ref mic'd up and he'll, yeah. but then that's good because it gives it, it's a, that's quite a difficult sport to follow on TV and well, all pitch side. So it's good to have that like extra bit of input because the, the referee is explaining what's going on to the players mm-hmm. and then the audience understands what's going on. And yeah. I think maybe like, maybe that's what F1 should concentrate on a little bit more rather than picking out the, just, you know, Verstappen swears at, stroll or yeah. so-and-so kicks off because someone touched them or so-and-so's tires are going maybe the more interesting thing is broadcasting the the actual insightful communication between team and driver did you see i think it was after the spanish grand was the spanish grand prix where hamilton like caught up the stap and then immediately pitted and came back in a second time and passed him for the win that was spain right I want to say yes. yes. Anyway, it was, it, it was a race where that happened anyway. And Mercedes put out a video a few days afterwards um, with some of the like internal radio. So it was discussions going on between uh, Toto, James Vowles, Bono, um, them having their internal discussions about like, we've got this idea, we think it might work, if we want to do it now is the time. And like Toto ultimately giving it someone else to make the final. I think it was James Vowles like, it's your call, make the decision now kind of thing because this is allowed to do it. And that was fascinating to hear like these internal discussions. Obviously, we couldn't hear that during the race because that would be giving the game away to the teams. But 
that kind of content is fascinating to me. Like how they come up with these yeah. strategic decisions. Yeah. And I wish we got a bit more of that because yeah. you don't that's really get much of that. That's much more interesting than someone effing and jeffing at another yeah. driver. Yeah. And I think I think that's why the stuff that I was referring to before, like the independent stuff that people like put together themselves mm. that's why that gets the clicks because there is stuff like that in it obviously not to that detail because generally speaking the only thing that they're going to pick up is um engineer to driver because that's the only unless somebody else comes in like a, a team boss really that's the only kind of conversation you've got but it is very interesting like hearing someone like Mick Schumacher's engineer that we've talked about before the way that he coaches him through like yeah. into a safety car period or something like that and he's, he's letting him know what's happening on track like how many cars are out what they expect to gain from it what what the situation is building up so that he can learn from all that and build from that and mm. it, they're, they're interesting to me in, in exactly the same way and it's it's a shame that we don't see more of that I think yeah I really like that stuff yeah. uh, should we move on to the next one yeah uh, Jay Alexander says, uh, this is something I thought of in the aftermath of Hungary. As we know, Bottas has a five-place penalty for Spa, but Grosjean received a race ban for a careless turn one manoeuvre, um, which was at Spa, actually, wasn't it, a number of years ago? Um, yeah. So Grosjean took out Hamilton, Alonso, and Perez, whereas Bottas has taken out Perez, Norris, and essentially Verstappen in a careless turn one manoeuvre, and only received a grid drop. Is this fair? I mean, the straight answer to that question is... The reason Grosjean got that ban is because he did it about six times mm. in nine races, and that was like the the seventh in ten. Because this... I can't remember the exact figures, but he spent like a good seventy percent of lap one, turn one, in the side of somebody else's car that season. And he's also one of the reasons that penalty points became the thing that yeah. they are because we didn't have penalty points in that season when he did that, and they came in. He was either the season after or very next maybe, season. It, yeah, I can't remember if it was a direct consequence, but it was all linked to the fact that <laughs> they had that situation going on with Grosjean and it needed control. Mm. It pretty much was because I think that was that was this FYA being like, we keep giving him penalties in the race or grid penalties for this and it's not changing. He's now doing it this many times in a row. We're going to give him a race ban as like a culmination of all the things he's done this season and yeah the result of that ultimately was the penalty point system um I, I think I, I mean i've not gone back and done it because we've only just read the question but i'm fairly confident if you went back through that 2012 season and tallied up what grosjean had done and <laughs> gave an equivalent number of penalty points to what they give out now for the same incidents you would probably find he'd hit he'd have hit 12 points by that point and got the ban anyway <laughs> he might not have even been on the grid at spa if you'd have done that <laughs> well yeah true there is that as well there is um, that as well i but think I, yeah I, I think it is fair because that's that's the context i guess you're looking at one incident and one incident rather than a whole season yeah. and a whole season I think maybe the bigger injustice is the fact that like Bottas got a five place penalty for causing that crash, but as a result of that crash, there's a very good chance one, if not both, of the Red Bulls will have to have an extra engine this year, which comes with a ten place penalty, and that yeah. feels a bit a little yeah. unjust. Yeah, yeah, that's. But then make an engine that can last. I mean, longer. there is an argument, yeah, that they shouldn't be reaching their engine quota already. But it's it's hard to plan for a Mercedes spearing That's through true. the side of it. That is true. Yeah. I mean, but, the, but there should be mitigation in the rules that says if you know if you have to take a new rule because someone's new engine because someone's taken your engine out, someone's smashed your engine up. Yeah, and I think that goes car, along with you're, you're entitled to a new engine. 
it goes along with what we were saying, I think, last week as well about the um, financial side of things, doesn't it? Like, yeah. there should be a way you can appeal the financial implications if it absolutely wasn't your fault. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a whole other huge thing that I think is going to become a story later yeah, this season. Yeah, I mean, we, kinda, we do need to sort of wait for that one to unfold because that debate is going to sort of steadily unfurl itself, I think, it as really the season is. goes on. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, Wes says, with Ocon coming from his first win and Fernando looking like he's got some pretty good form, Seb's still fighting for a second place in a race that ended more than a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore, but probably the time he wrote this. Um, who do you see as a driver or team to watch for the second half of the season? And do you have any hope that Ricardo will turn things around at McLaren before the season's end? And also a prediction to add from the predictions we were talking about last week for the rest of the season. Uh, Wes says, following the announcement that we all know is coming, Russell is going to score at least three more races, uh, score in at least three more races before the end of the season. Mm, that's a good one. That is, that a, good is one. a good one. I mean, I think Russell will score more points. As I think some of these things, like now he's like finally crossed that threshold and got some points. Yeah. Some more gates are open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, the, flood, the floodgates are not going to open in the Williams. But <laughs> he's, um, I think he will score. I agree with Wes. He will score more points. Um, but then the other stuff. Team so. or driver to watch out for. I want it to be Ricardo. Yeah. But or, or like he seemed to be on a good trajectory and then we were sort of robbed of seeing if that was still happening in Hungary. Um, I very mm. much want it to be him. I think Sainz is going to be interesting to watch for the rest of the season. Yeah, because he seems to have the legs on his teammate at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, most overrated driver in Formula One, Charles Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> and I excuse. and I just I, I think it's gonna make. I think the more this happens, the more interesting the dynamics going to become between the two. I, I think there's a lot of tracks coming up that Carlos has got like a bit of a favouring for as well. I feel like we've got tracks that in my head for some reason I feel like he's done relatively well at in previous years um like so spa and monza particularly mm-hmm. like th- those old school tracks i yeah. guess and i think that we, with stuff like that coming up that it's even more in his favor to be able to to maybe eke out that gap that he's got over charles that makes it like it's a handful of points at the moment isn't it but that could all change given a few races yeah so and I just, think as just well, on like, my... oh, go on chris sorry answer the question and then we'll talk about this as well like if if you look at the way I mean, I, w- I want to say the fight for third, like ultimately you would expect Bottas to overtake Norris, but like with the way Perez like, is getting to grips more with the Red Bull and the Ferrari seems to be getting closer to McLaren, I think like the championship between Norris, Perez, Sainz and Leclerc is going to get very tasty towards it. That, that's going to be a real tight battle between those four. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, if, especially if Ricardo can get himself in the mix as well, mm-hmm. which, which I think he can. I think Charles Leclerc just on the sort of you know I, I i sort of half jokingly say the most overrated driver <laughs> on form, in formula 1 but just to justify this this wild statement i keep making who would you pick out of leclerc and lando norris i mean it depends on if you go by all time form or recent form like recent form you'd pick lando okay but 3 3 years ago you'd obviously pick leclerc I'm talking about right now. Yeah, to, if I had a Formula One seat to fill right now, it, it would be Lando. Yeah, you have to choose, you've got a Formula One seat. You can have either of those two. It doesn't. Money's no object, and whatever you do, 
whoever you pick is going to say yes. How old is old Charlie these days? 23, Charlotte Leclerc. 23, yeah. Okay. Who, who, so mm. now, what Norris about this is. one? Leclerc or Sainz right now? Mm, probably Sainz just because I like, but that's, that's a personal preference of I like Sainz's personality and driving style. Okay. Leclerc or, Leclerc or Verham, Verstappen? I know it said Verhamilton. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's, that's a good driver. <laughs> Verhamilton. <laughs> Verhamilton. There we go. That's, that's it, right? Um, probably Verstappen. Yeah, that's, Le- that's an easy one. Yeah. Leclerc or Hamilton? Again, it's a no-brainer. Hamilton. Hamilton. Leclerc or... Oh, wait, what was my other one? Uh, Norris. Uh, sorry, Russell. Mm, if I had to take one right now, I would probably take Leclerc. Because I don't know what Russell's going to be like for a long season in a title fight. Yeah, that's Whereas a at tough least one. I know at least I know Leclerc okay. is capable of seconds, thirds when the yeah. chips are against him. But I mean, even with not even with Russell's performance in for the first time in a Mercedes at Bahrain last year, it yeah. depends on what it depends on what car I'm putting him in. If I'm putting him in, a, in if I'm putting him in a race winning car like that one was, then Russell. But then, if I'm putting him in a car that needs to fight, I would probably say Leclerc. You're, you're McLaren. You're, you, let's say it's McLaren. I mean, that makes it even more difficult because that's not quite either, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the leader of the midfield. <laughs> so. Plus, but, yeah, we point, also my, argued my after. My point is, we've we've just identified there are plenty of drivers who are better than Charles Leclerc, and yet. People go on like Charles Leclerc is like Jack Grealish. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the second, the second coming of of Christ is Charles Leclerc, and he's just—I'm sorry, but he's just not. As, there's loads of drivers on the grid who are better than him. I mean, everyone thinks he's the best thing in the world. The irony is, though, that for three years we talked him up until he got on the. Yeah, grid. we did. We took. Yeah, well, we did. You two so. did. You two did more. Uh, than me. No, we were all. Oh, at you, it. No, you can't. You can't just back out of it now. You disagree. <laughs> <with it. laughs> okay, I'll admit that. I'll I mean, then that. again, we did the same with Giovinazzi. <laughs> we thought Giovinazzi had a lot more promise than he ended up having. Yeah. So. Oh, I've, I've done it many times. Yeah. I was the biggest well, Verline fan in the world for yeah. a year. That that panned out really <laughs> well for me. Oh yeah. I'm just I'm just justifying my my negative comments about Charles Leclerc basically <laughs> at this point. Um, back to the question: Was there any effect? What else has we got in that question? There was more juice in there to squeeze. Uh, is there any other anyone else to watch out for? I guess for the second half of the season, teams or drivers. I'm I'm still banking on McLaren will win a race at some point, given the circumstances of what we've seen in recent times. So. I'd say Lando because he's the one that's more likely to do it out of the two of them at the moment. He's been the, one of the most exciting to watch so far this season, so yeah. why not keep an eye yeah. on Lando? I yeah. think Gasly has still got more to give this year as well. I, I was thinking about that just again because I remember, like for example, both him and Sainz having really strong ends to the season last year with like podiums and even wins for Gasly. Yeah. So I think that... I think that this this next stretch of races is is another driver that it suits. Like I was feeling with Sainz, so I'd expect to see him scoring a lot of points with the Alpha Tower, even though it's not taking as big a step as some of the other cars around it for this year. It's still he's still shown that he's got a lot of promise in it. So I'd expect him to do well with it. Next, uh, I guess we'll do the next one then. Oh, it's me. Um, Corn Wolf says and what are your thoughts on driver penalty points that f1 official twitter posted out have these got out of hand is this the list of how many it's basically like- yeah, just a list of what drivers have got what number of penalty points i do feel like although this penalty point system has been the same for quite a number of years now i do feel like they're given out way more like candy on halloween 
pretty much yeah they, they dish them out quite a lot these days like like look at the drivers that have got the most like norris currently has the most he's on eight i can't like i can't who even... is sorry chris who is juki kunoda I, I didn't make this list i don't know who wrote that <laughs> that looks like some um autocorrect gone a little bit wild <laughs> um but yeah like can you think of anything norris has really done that's been that egregious like you could yeah. maybe argue for the incident in Austria, maybe. But like wow. all the rest of Norris's eight are just like for like he picks them up in Baku for like not going to the pit lane at the right time, even though he was like alongside the pit entry. Like it's all little That's so do- yeah, I remember that one. I remember talking a lot about that one actually. You should go back to the Baku review um during the during the summer break, guys, and have a look at that <laughs> one if you want to talk about that. Um But it's all like um yeah what's the way it's just like little formalities and stuff they're breaking like perez is on seven i can't think of that much there, there was again the, the one in austria i think was probably worthy of it i can't think of much else uh vettel and latifi are both on six can't think of that much egregious stuff they've done is vettel's for when him and raikkonen came together again in austria some of them were i think yeah, yeah. I don't think he got like six for that, did he? No. No, no, I was just wondering if that's what some of them were for. They're normally two or three at a time, yeah. Um, But yeah, like I I do think they're given out a lot more willy-nilly these days. And I also just think the way they're applied isn't fit for purpose anymore. They're just... Yeah, we've said this so many times. Like They just give them out for... They give them out as a substitute almost for actually applying any meaningful penalty. It's it's almost like acknowledging that they've done something wrong and saying Mm. here's some points for the thing you... That, that here's here's your here's some points for the perceived transgression that we think you've done when actually like what that system was designed to do as we've discussed earlier is to penalize drivers who are doing mental things all the time like oh i don't know grosjean when he was when we were yeah. talking earlier and there was a time it, i think it was spanish grand prix of barcelona around turn what three where he just yeah spun up the rear wheels and just made a cloud of smoke <laughs> yeah. for everyone to drive through and led to a massive accident those are the things that it's designed for. It's not designed for someone being on the wrong bit of the racetrack as they come into the pits. Like that's yeah. not a thing that it, just no. Like th- that thing that we're talking about with Norris, like that's absolutely not worthy of any no. penalty points. It seems but, really silly to give them for that. And I reasons. think for things like um, like speeding under the or overtaking under the safety car or like speeding Obviously, under yeah. yellow flags, like safety stuff. Yeah, come down hard on totally. Them. Like. But yeah, it's just they're just not being used for the reason they were bought in, and I think it definitely needs an overhaul. Yeah, I mean, there's been things this season that would be if Norris ends up with a race ban. Yeah, for something could happen. Like any any simple team mistake could happen that causes him to do something that they deem points worthy, and he could end up with a race ban for it. And is you know is is driving over a line really? Does that warrant a race ban? I don't think it does. No. I mean, there's no. there's a driver on this list that, like, nearly caused the mother of all accidents on the last lap in Baku, mm. and he didn't get a thing for that. Like, he's he's got five, and I think they're all, again, for, like, technical little things, like rules that were broken, but he got none for the f- nearly, like, wiping out his teammates on the final straight in Baku, and, like, I don't know, yeah. 
not not a fan in conclusion <laughs> yeah i don't think there's there's not much um we shouldn't really get too into this one there's not much bit. more to say other than well the there isn't is there, broken really. yeah and we've discussed it so much as well it's ju- it is it's kind of negative and it's and it's it's just yeah it's badly badly broken and they will hopefully i think they are starting to realize it slowly but yeah, and yeah i, I need, would imagine fixing like if i were mclaren i'd be like having some pushbacks on this thing like you know yeah one of my drivers is not that far for a span and like, and like that's yeah, not what, the driver what has he, he done yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i think the teams need to kick for a bit more of a fuss about this yeah uh teddy says there's every possibility that bottas will know his fate before the end of the season given his history of tactical play for example giving max a draft in sochi 2019 q3 that's pulling something out wow. of the history because i don't remember uh do we mm-hmm. expect him to start looking after number one slash helping max where he benefits him going into the second half of the year <laughs> that'd be so <laughs> funny that'd be so funny nah I, that's not gonna happen i think the better thing for Bottas to do in this current situation is to prove that he is that perfect team player that is the reason he's been at Mercedes all this time. Like, if any other team is going to employ him, it's because they know he's a really good team player. Yeah. I mean, you know, he his could team do player start is like 13. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what he could do for his own benefit and to help Max if that's really the way he feels is just start beating Hamilton <laughs> well, well just yeah, do it that's, mate that's just drive past him and his teammate that's the that's absolute the best option. thing you could that's, do yeah. that's the best option <laughs> Bottas is listening to this now going like oh, oh yeah <laughs> I should have been doing that since like 2017 oh yeah Bottas, God, that is savage. that's really Bottas savage 5.0 <laughs> finally remembers he needs to drive faster than Hamilton yeah. I remember making a Bottas 2.0 piece for Formula 1 um, when he it was during the off season after Bottas 1.0 had not been very good <laughs> and um, it was all about him like being in the wilderness in Finland and like going sledding with dogs and yeah, stuff was just doing all kinds in, of like mad stuff it was in the first season of Drive to Survive that wasn't it or maybe the second season yeah. I can't remember and he's going around like whacking himself with a bush after being <laughs> yeah. in a hot tub yeah. mental some classic Scandinavian Good, clean, yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, Just basically yeah. being finished. Yeah. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> quality. Weird so, tangent we've gone So down. what we've agreed is that the best thing you could do is drive faster than Lewis. Yeah. Cool. Real insight Definitely. you get here. <laughs> yeah. Go, go. Be better. <laughs> the best yeah, just, just be, be better. Just be better. Be an eight time. Be as good as an eight time. Seven time. Eight time. Seven. Oh god. All seven. right. All right. Hold oh yeah. Christian Horner. <laughs> 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 Next one. I'll, re- We've got yeah. move on. <laughs> I'll, re- I'll read the next one. Uh, Nicole says, uh, a question regarding sprint qualifying. If the teams were to get a grid penalty, such as for taking a fourth engine, would that be applied to the sprint qualifying start grid or to the main Grand Prix start grid? Uh, it would be interesting to see it applied to sprint qualifying because it would give teams an additional strategy option when using additional parts throughout the season. It would be interesting, but... <laughs> It would be for the Grand Prix. It would yeah, be for the Grand Prix. Any, any penalty like that ended up getting applied to the GP. Because so. lest we forget, the sprint race isn't. It's not a race. It's not, yeah. not a sprint it's race. Not, it's not it's a qualifying. race. It's a sprint. Sprint qualifying. It's a sprint. Yeah. I mean, just, just you call it sprint qualifying, to be fair. Yeah. It was, it was labelled as a question regarding sprint qualifying. Yeah. But yes, all those kind of penalties are always and, and stayed very much on brand by saying applied to the sprint <laughs> qualifying starting grid. 
So that's hyper on brand. Very, Good job. very much on brand, Nicole. Well done there <laughs> for not calling it a race like we do every week, <laughs> like literally everyone in the world does. Yeah, it's almost like it's a race. I, I mean, define race. <laughs> Races where multiple things compete to get to the end first. It's kind of a yeah, race. That is a race. <laughs> let's let's not. <laughs> Uh, you did another one then. <laughs> oh, is, is it me? It's you. Yeah. Um, Kieran says, Lewis always seems to start the second half of the season extremely well. Can you see him start to stretch his advantage in the championship over the next five or six races? Or do you think Max will be able to turn his form around and take the lead back? All depends on if he uses that reset uh, that I was Super talking Max. about last week. Like... It, the, like I said last time, is the breaks come at a good time for him to just get away from the frustrations of a couple of bad results and Chili's refocus beans. and maybe whack himself with some Scandinavian bush <laughs> um, roll around in the snow. <laughs> it's a family show, Chris. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe we need like Max 2.0 this season. <laughs> yeah, it just depends on the the state that like him and Red Bull come back with, doesn't it? Like Belgium is an interesting race to come back to as well because that's going to be yeah. a really hard one to call between the way those teams have been this year. Yeah. But let's not get into the Belgian preview just yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am dead excited for it. It's going to be a good one. And I, I always like... Don't think Spar. I'm working for that as well. So I'm going to be able to enjoy, actually it, enjoy it to the fullest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh next is Roxy do you think McLaren are building the team around Lando like Red Bull are building it around Max also not F1 related but Indy if Zach Brown does have a third driver for McLaren Arrow next season who do you think would get the seat do you think Albon or Grosjean would have a shot um I mean on the building it around Lando I don't know if that's true or not because I think there's like weird drivability anomalies in that car that it's just Lando's experience mm. helps him work around better. Also, yeah. I don't think they ever expected the gap between the drivers to be as big as it has been either. Yeah. Like they they would very much have come to this season not really knowing what the gap's going to be like, probably if anything, thinking Ricardo ultimately would be the faster of their two drivers. And yeah. I think the way it's panned out has probably come as a surprise to them as much as the rest of us. I mean the but and it's not like one or the other's better from a kind of a branding point of view either because they're both very charismatic they've both got huge individual fan bases and they're both like very like on brand mm. and, and like face of the team kind of guy so like there's not even a, a leaning towards one or the other from that perspective it's just purely i think it's just purely that lando's been able to get to grips with the car quicker because of his experience with the team already yeah, yeah. So i think it is just generally as simple as that in terms of indie though I'd like to well, no have for, a go. Yeah, there's no reason for him to take Grosjean because Grosjean's already got a drive in Indy. Yeah. So that, they'd have to take him from another I mean, team to do that. If you're going to take like a an XF1 driver, if that's like the stipulation, because the two suggestions are <laughs> XF1 drivers, Marcus Ericsson. Yeah, he's been he's great. Definitely, he's definitely proven his value over there in those cars. Mm. So I'd if you were going to take it, if you had to take an XF1 driver and put them in the seat, I would suggest him. Takuma Sato. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's killed it over there. In, in He's won loads of races. Yeah. He sort of seems to go through ups and downs, though. Like, Yeah, that's true. 
he has moments of brilliance and then he's just like a bit nowhere for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bit like Sebastian Bordes, isn't it? That Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's had really big real highs in IndyCar, but also like sort of average years and average finishes and yeah. stuff. So I mean Grosjean doesn't have a guaranteed seat next year. He's not signed a contract for next year, so he is technically on the market. Um, and he's been good. Mm. He's been really good. Like he's taken to that series really quickly. Is is it two, three podiums? I think he's got now. Um, yeah. Well, I saw a meme of him drinking champagne. People <laughs> look at. Is, was it him? Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Al- I can't see Albon going to. I mean, I I, I just looked up the indie uh, grid for next year and the top like news result was Albon confirms 2022 IndyCar interest. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of people out there would be interested in being in IndyCar. Whether they'll actually get there is a a very different thing. I mean, I'm I'm interested if they're offering seats about. Like, yeah. <laughs> can I register my interest in IndyCar <laughs> for 2022? Can confirm we are interested. <laughs> Tom King, interested in IndyCar 2022. Yeah. It's official. I'll get on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got any other comment on that? I don't think so, no. <laughs> Uh, Paul D says, do you think there's a chance that if there are more big accidents that a team might have to withdraw from, uh, withdraw a car from races towards the end of the season just to stay within the cost cap? It depends on the penalty they'd get for going over the cost cap, doesn't it? What's yeah. the penalty? I I'd don't, assume championship it, points. You'd I don't be think a, we know. It would be a very sad state of affairs if we had cars not running because the cost cap has ruled them out of it. That's not yeah. absolutely not what it's designed to do. And I'm sure nope. there would be mitigation in place to stop that from happening. I think, it, yeah, they must be docked points if they go over the cost pack, right? Yeah. But then I guess the point would be, uh, uh, like, imagine you're Williams with your 10 points. Do you... So, so you don't get any more points for the rest of the season, but you're about to go over the cost cap. That's a good it's, point. It's more effective to not run the car and not lose any points than it is to go over the budget and be docked do- and fine, points and fall. Like, do you know what I mean? The fine you that... get, though, would be eye-watering. I was going to say, mm. I, I suspect that the penalty for missing a race would be significantly higher than the penalty for uh, going up the financial things. Do, like, you remember, do you remember the HRT scenario a number of years ago yeah. before they eventually left? What, what were they penalised for not turning up? See, I have a feeling with them, they were given like... A free pass because the FIA and F1 knew they were in like dire straits. But mm. I think for a team that can afford to be there, not turning up, like the team sign a contract to say we will yeah. participate in twenty three races as it is this season, and I imagine the penalty for not fulfilling that contract would be huge. Um, yeah. I've, I've found like a new story from May where Toto Wolf said. Um, three teams voted against them having sporting penalties for going over the cost cap. So it would only be financial penalties for going over the cost cap, which seems the wrong way of doing it. But whether that is exactly what was in the final set of rules, it's hard to know because they never actually really, they never released the full details of these things. I mean, those three top teams that voted for financial penalties for going over the cost cap are clearly Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull. Um, okay, I've got they're it. Gonna got be, it. They're going to be the teams that if they go over the cost cap and have to pay the penalty, 
they don't care because yeah, they're exactly. championship points yeah. out of it. Like, I mean, the thing we can already read that. Going back to Williams, like they're never going to go over the cost cap anyway because they don't make enough. No, no, they're not it's, sponsored high it, enough. For, it's for a highly time. unlikely scenario, but um, yeah. but okay. So the penalties available to the FIA for them. The first penalty is a financial penalty. Um, the value of the fine will be determined on a case-by-case basis. Classic. <laughs> the second is a minor sporting penalty, which could be a combination of a reprimand, deduction of constructors and, and or drivers' points, a ban, for, a ban for a certain number of races or limitations on testing, both CFD and on track, and or a reduction of the cost cap. And the third is the material sporting penalty, which is the most serious and can involve all of the above plus exclusion from the World Championship. I like the idea of a race ban being one of them. It's like, we broke the cost cap to afford to pay to be at this race. Like, okay, you're banned from being at the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Logic. Yeah. There's, I mean, I don't like this. Um, the value of the fine will be determined on a case-by-case basis. No, just make it a, a, a tangible fine yeah. just make people not go over the limit yeah maybe I guess, like, there's a threshold of how much you've gone over the limit is what they're trying to do there isn't it yeah um maybe this is the left winger in me speaking but i feel like there's a pretty strong argument to find the teams with more money more like if you find all the teams the same amount as you kind of said earlier like a, a fine that would be like crippling to the likes of Haas, Williams, whoever, it would be a drop in the ocean to Mercedes yeah. or Red Bull. So, yeah, I think there is an argument for some kind of sliding scale on that, but which yeah, is probably I why that's said to be determined like, that can make it up as they go along, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not get into let's not try and solve that one here, but that's <laughs> kind of always been the case, hasn't it? Whenever there's one of these, there's something going on. Like, think back to the racing point, um, pink Mercedes thing. Like, it's not like all the media were like, oh, the likely fines are this, this, and this. It was just like the ruling came out, like, oh, okay, that's how much they've been fined. They just seem to kind of pluck a number out <laughs> yeah. of the air for these things. Yep. Um, Tom B says, do you think the drivers who've already experienced major regulation changes, i.e. those who drove Priest 2016, V8s, etc., will be better equipped to handle the new aero changes than those who've only experienced the cars in the hybrid era? Mm. Um, I mean, well, I guess they'll have a bit of an insight in what to expect to a degree, as in how dramatic of a change mm. something like that can be. I guess so. I think all, all of the the older drivers are obviously more experienced and they've experienced more changes of, of formula, if you like, if you want yeah. to bring it, break it down to that. So obviously as you come up the ranks and become a Formula 1 driver, you, you'll you go from like you know really junior karting and then there's a step up to cadets, and a step up to open, real, open wheel racing proper in like Formula Ford and stuff like that. And then, you know, the steps keep going up until you get to Formula One. And each time you get in a new car or each time you get in a new formula of car, obviously the step is is something for you to get used to. And the more times you've done that, in theory, the better you will be at adapting to the new formula. So there's yeah. an, there is an argument to say that the more experienced guys will have a bit of an advantage. But I think once you, by the time you've got to Formula One, that advantage is quite sort of there's a very thin margin there for that advantage because you've all yeah. experienced so many formula changes up to that point that you wouldn't be there if you couldn't handle the changes. So th- I think that'll be fine. I, th- I, I don't think it'll make that much difference. I, th- and I think these new cars are going to be so different to anything that's been driven over the last few years anyway. It's going to be like a steep learning curve for all of them, I think. 
Yeah, I yeah. guess it's who's the most adaptable, isn't it? You know, you look at drivers like mm. Fernando Alonso, who's got, been around and driven all sorts and come to, back to Formula One and, you know, less than halfway through the season, he was already starting to look like he was he got to grips with that car and he was doing a good job of it. So, mm-hmm. and he's probably the most, if, well, one of, up there with the, the most experienced cars, up there with the most experienced drivers on the whole grip. Yeah. So, you know, there's only Raikkonen older than him, done more seasons than him. I believe that right? that's right. Yeah, it will be, and that can't be by much. That's got to be like by one or two. I think, I think he didn't. I think Raikkonen had done two years before Alonso started. I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Short, the short answer from me is I, I, I think they're all. They all ought to be to get to Formula One. You need to be good enough that it shouldn't be a factor. Is yeah, my yeah. answer to that. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. I think, uh, and I think that that has emptied the inbox. Did we answer the question about Hamilton coming doing better in the second half of the season? We or did. did we go we spent most, we, yeah, we spent most of it talking about uh, Verstappen and Red Bull. Yeah. So just to, to answer that, do, let, let, let's end on on that because that is our kind of like lead in to the rest of the season, I suppose. Before we start yeah. previewing um, races, who? How do we see the next the next part of the season shaking out? Do we think it's going to be sort of more argy-bargy from Hamilton and Verstappen? Do you think it's going to calm down a bit? Do you think they're going to be helpful ever all the way to the end? My my gut feeling after Hungary was that Hamilton is going to just kind of calmly get on with doing what he does best while Red Bull are a little bit all over the place for the second half of the season and that it, the, the experience of being in championship fights and winning championships is going to be the difference that means Hamilton will win it. And I still have that gut feeling. What about you, Tom? Um, I mean, the optimist in me sees Verstappen being able to grow and actually win the title. And that's just the optimist in me that wants to see change more than anything, I think. You say something quite interesting there. You said Verstappen being able to grow. And do you say grow or go? Grow. (laughs) Grow. So... Do you feel like Verstappen does have like a little bit more development left in him this season if he's going to win the championship? Do you think well, he needs not, to be better? He's not been in this situation before, has he? I don't think it's that he needs to be better per se. I think it's that he needs to um, just consider some of his decisions better. Yeah. Like in terms, of, in terms of his pace and his general driving, he's barely put a foot wrong. But some of the things that some of the decisions that he's made in terms of like i mean it's been done to death but the whole like yeah i know what you're gonna say whoever whoever you think is right or wrong if mike verstappen had chosen to back out of cops he'd have finished second at worst and he'd still and be the leader th- of the championship exactly so i don't care who's right and who's wrong in the situation the point is max made a conscious effort to defend that position when he strictly didn't need to um and I think it's decisions like that that he's got to, to learn from now, basically. Yeah, he's got yeah. to look back at that and think, regardless of what happened, I could have changed that scenario. Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I, it. it was in my hands to change that scenario, and I didn't. Yeah. And so that what is do how I do you from win. here? That is how you win world championships, is making yeah. the right decisions in those times, picking your yeah. battles. Yeah, yeah I think that, that, that I think that's the that's the thing he's got to grow on, and that's the, the strength. But in terms of his like pace and the car, the car's potential this year, it's I all think there, that, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's theirs to lose essentially. And I think that 
they'll probably be... Because, I mean, there's a lot of races towards the back end of the season that we see that end up falling in Red Bull's favour to a degree. Mm-hmm. So with them already having an advantage, like, in in theory, you've, you've got you've got two things here. You've got, like, a, a back end of the season that's usually quite in Red Bull's favour. We've also got a Lewis Hamilton that's usually pretty strong for the second half of the season yeah. and can and starts closing up a deficit. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. But honestly, I think that Max and the car on point are better and are more capable of winning the chat title. Do you want to know what I think? Go on. You think Bottas is going to win every single race for the <laughs> no. rest of the season and win the title? Better than that. <laughs> I think if Verstappen and Red Bull beat Hamilton and Mercedes oh, <laughs> at Belgium... <laughs> they'll win the title <laughs> they'll be if they, they can beat them there they can beat them anywhere every race it's because it's because he never got the outcome of silverstone <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was if they if he can beat him at silverstone he will he will win the title and because of what happened he's had to pick a different race now so that's far <laughs> They couldn't beat them, but not necessarily for the reasons we thought. Um, All that said, what what I want to happen is, and ultimately I don't really care which of them wins the championship. I just want it to go down to the last race and just have a good, clean fight that goes down to the end. Yeah. Is ultimately what I'm here for. Amen to that. I agree with that, actually. Um, A last little couple of predictions people have sent in to finish us off. Uh, Uda Kishore says, I predict the championship will be decided 2016 style since Verstappen seems to be at risk of being overstretched in terms of engines, which is a good point. It'd be a shame if engine penalties ended up having a big effect on this championship, but I kind of fear it will. Um, Alexia says, Daniel Ricciardo will outscore Lando now. That's a very bold prediction. Oh, that's a really interesting one. That's a good one. Is is that outscore him in the remaining remaining yeah, races? Over, over the remaining or races. Will yeah. he will he overtake him in the standings? In the remaining races. In the remaining races. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, um, that does make sense. One. And on a similar note, uh, Paul says Ricardo will win for McLaren before Lando, although that might go into next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and that uh wraps us up. For today, I think. Um, one thing of note that I realized about 30 seconds before we started recording is that the Montreal Freeway is this coming weekend. So there's a thing we can go and watch to t- keep us uh, going until F1 returns. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for joining us and for everyone for sending in inbox stuff. Uh, in the meantime, you can get in touch with us in all the usual ways uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Backlogger.com if you want to. Um, Join the Predictions League if you haven't already. Um, still prizes to be won there, so never too late to join. And yeah. I think that just about wraps us up. So one more week of summer break to get to, and then we'll uh, we'll be back in a week's time to preview the Belgian Grand Prix and to make an incredibly difficult set of predictions, I imagine. The title decider, in Stu's opinion. <laughs> yeah, it is the, the title deciding race of the season. <laughs> Cool. Thank you, no, everyone. I don't um, know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to finish off. Finish. End. I'm trying to finish. <laughs> Stu's knocking his mic off his desk. It's all gone wrong. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.